guys ready for God's word? Wow, I, I get excited when I see our second serve is just packed out. Thank y'all for uh, being patient with me as we extended that worship song. But we've been talking about the best is yet to come. How many of you believe that the best is yet to come? Now we started the series talking about the best being we're going home sooner or later, right? And I kept saying this to you. I kept saying, don't get comfortable here. We're supposed to look towards heaven because it changes the way we live. And I keep emphasizing to us that that's the point, isn't it? The point of being a Christian is to say, we're not going to hang out here forever, are we? The point is to go home. The point is that we have a home in glory. Come on. That outshines the sun. Oh, some of y'all are not old school Baptists. Because that's an old hymn. Uh, And today I want to talk to you about obedience versus disobedience in light of this spiritual fight that we're in. Because last week I said that we're in a spiritual fight. And the enemy wants to do everything he can to keep you focused on the here and now. So that you put all of your your attention into a worldly scheme that in, that in the end is not going to amount to anything. And so the, the fight is to stay focused on eternity. You say, pastor, but I still have to live here. Absolutely. But you live here with a different purpose. Amen. A different purpose. And so I'd like you to, to just, just really delve into this with me. That we are in a spiritual fight. This is a, a spiritual contest. And the Bible tells us that we, fight, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And so God wants something great for us. And the enemy is going to do everything he can to keep you from it. You know, Israel represents this so beautifully in the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament talks about God saying, I have a land flowing with milk and honey. I've got a tremendous blessing that I want to give you. But you're going to have to trust me in it. And you're going to have to go in and fight for it. Now, what's I, what I find so unusual is the fights were not really fights. They were kind of like, God says, go to Jericho, right? The first city they come to. And, and, and what do you do? You don't, you don't rush it. You don't strategize. I want you to surround it. I want you to march around it. I want you to do all of these things over a series of so many days. And on the last day, you're going to do it so many times. And then you're going to shout and the walls are going to come tumbling down. Now that's like no fight I've ever fought. Can you imagine being in the schoolyard and you're having to deal with a bully or something? You go, hold on right here. And you start marching around them. And you say, I'll see you here tomorrow. And then you come back the next day, Keith, and you march around the bully. And then you start shouting, you know, and then you're expecting his pants to fall down. I mean, what in the world? No, you're, you know, see, God is, is interested in our obedience. Are you willing to trust me? And are you willing to fight the way I've called you to fight? And that is by faith. By faith. Put confidence in me. And today we're going to talk about not putting confidence in the flesh. Because it's the flesh that gets us fighting in a very different way. And sometimes we give up the fight altogether. And we move out of God's protection. And we decide that we pick our own promised land. And so that's the difference between obedience and disobedience. And and obedience puts us in the line of blessing, puts us in God's favor, in God's promised land, with God's hand of protection and provision. And disobedience gets us something quite different. 
I'm also going to talk about blessing versus curses. Blessings versus curses. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor, we live under the new covenant. So we're under the covenant of grace. Therefore, I don't have to worry about curses because God's blood breaks all curses. Absolutely, it does. And it has the power to break all curses. But do you know that curses are a judgment or something that God has pronounced is not what he desires? It's, it's a judgment or a pronouncement of God saying, I don't desire this, therefore there will be consequences if you go there. So by that rationale, if you think, I don't have to worry about any of that. I'm a Christian, I live under grace, therefore the Old Testament, I don't have to worry about it, I'm not under the law. Therefore you just throw away, what, two-thirds of your Bible? No, no, I read it, what, as a, like, like you read an encyclopedia, another history story? What, what, no. See, God in Jesus said, I did not come to what? Abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And so, yes, there are many parts of the law that were ritualistic in things that they had to do in order to be clean and considered right standing before God. But there's other parts of the law that indicate God's character. I need you to hear me closely on this. Indicate God's character. And this is what he values because this is who he is. And therefore, if you violate that, I don't care if you're Old or New Testament, you violate God's desire for us. Let me, let me give you a good example. You don't have to be under the law. You don't have to be under grace. All you have to do is be a creator, a, a created being of God to understand that murder is wrong and that God values life and that thou shalt not murder. Right? It applies there and here. Let me give you another thing. That when we step out and say we're only under grace and we don't have to worry about any of those things, then you're basically saying grace gives me an excuse to live however the heck I want. I'm under grace so I can do what I want, when I want, how I want, for as long as I want. No. It's not the way grace works. Grace says, Lord, I value you, therefore I give you my life and you direct me. It's a complete submission. So grace, write this down, is not an excuse to live lower. It's not an excuse to live in the gutter. It's not an excuse to do whatever the heck you want to do and bring reproach upon God's name, but it's a reason, listen to me, it's an absolute compelling love reason to live high. Why? Because I am in love with you, Lord, and I gladly want to obey your commandments. Amen? So I just wanted to cover that right from the beginning. Because sometimes people will say, no, nah, I, don't, I don't want to listen to this because I'm under grace. Absolutely, we are under grace. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't value what he's about to share with you, he values. So read with me in the book of Deuteronomy 28. In the book of Deuteronomy 28, you have that, that chapter is, is dedicated to blessings and curses. Now, I want, to, I want to tell you, this is an encouragement. The reason it's an encouragement, because God, you don't have to guess with him. You know, it's interesting because sometimes I'll listen to these, these goofy, I, I hardly ever listen to, to secular TV anymore. I just, I, there's just nothing good on. I just like watch Shark Tank and The Prophet. That's it. You know, that's about it. And, 
And, uh, but, but, you know, I can remember they started talking all this noise about the gods. You know, people are always saying the gods, the gods, who the heck are the gods? There's demons and the devil. That's it. That's who you're referring to. But they say, oh, they're finicky or, or who knows what this, who knows what that. You know what I love about my God? He is the absolute true God. And you know exactly where you stand. He doesn't change. You can count on him. He's holy and just. And you can know exactly where you stand with him. And so in chapter 28, he tells you, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. I love it. Matter of fact, my children and I were reading the entire uh, uh, book of Revelation. I mean, book of Revelation, but it's not that book. It's Deuteronomy that we were reading. And we were reading Deuteronomy. And we noticed that the whole book is dedicated to the do's and don'ts. And what God values and what God doesn't value. And so I would ask you, go read chapter 28. Matter of fact, start at 27. 27, matter, you know what? Read the whole book. Read the whole book. It'll be good for you. But, but we're going to cover 28 and 27. And 27 says, this is what I don't want you to do. And this is what I do want you to do. 28 says, this is what will happen when you do what I ask. This is what will happen when you do what I don't ask. And so you have the blessings and the curses in 28. And it starts off like this. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all of his commandments, which I command to you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Why is he going to set us up above all the nations of the earth? Now, how many of you know that's pretty encouraging? When God says, I'm going to make you the envy of your neighborhood. People are going to look up to you. Why? Because he told Abraham right from the beginning, I want you to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood. What does a priesthood do? A priesthood introduces those to God. Now, priests have not always done this right. That's why God prophesies against priests that what? Hold people back from him, put heavy burdens on them and misuse their power. But the priest or a leader for God is supposed to say, let me introduce you to God. Let me tell you about his goodness. Let me share with you how awesome he is. So what Israel represents to the world is a priesthood. They're supposed to introduce people to God. How? Because the nations are supposed to see their awesome, blessed ways and say, how do we get that? It'll make more sense in your family. Watch. If I am a priest... For the, for, and, and incidentally, Peter says those exact words that God says about Israel, Peter says about the church. That we are a what? Holy nation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. People are supposed to be, there's something, there's something peculiar about you. You know, I look at you and you've got a good family. How can I have that family? You got a good marriage. How can I have that marriage? You got good friends. How can I have, how can I, do you see what I'm saying? So we're called to represent God. You might say we are his ambassadors. What's an ambassador? An ambassador represents something greater than he or she. You are called to represent something greater than you. You're called to represent the almighty God. And so God says, because you're my representatives, I'm going to set you up so people can look at you. But you know who else is going to look at you? The enemy. The enemy's going to look at you and try to tear you down. Why? Because he doesn't want God to have representatives. He doesn't want God's word to be famous in the land and his name to be famous in the land. 
So he's going to do everything he can to tear it down. And so here we go. It says, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Isn't this amazing how God says, if you listen to my voice and you listen to my commands, you're not going to have to do anything. You're going to be walking along and like a tidal flood, the blessings are just going to overtake your life. How many of you are saying, I want that? Lord, I need that. And so the blessings are in these categories. If you read the first part of that chapter, which I know you are, right? I know you are. You're going to see that God will cause you to be fruitful. What is fruitful? That means what you have will begin to produce in a supernatural way. What do I mean? I mean, you have an orange tree. That orange tree might be producing puny oranges, but then God gets involved and all of a sudden you have more than you can handle and you have to give some to the neighbors. You know, my neighbors brought that uh, to my attention. They started gardening and Brother Mike brought me a whole bucket full of tomatoes because they couldn't eat it all themselves. Isn't that God's way saying, I want to bless you so well. And you know who else brought me tomatoes? So I look over here. My brother right here brought me tomatoes, potatoes, brought me, you know, I get so much stuff. Why? Because God is saying, I'm blessing fruitfully. And when you have a fruitful blessing, there will be more than you can consume. That means you get to share it. Amen. You get to share it. Victorious. What does it mean to be victorious? Victory means the enemy cannot defeat you. So God says, I've given you some ground, meaning I want your business to grow. I want your family to grow. I want you to have a bigger house. I want you to get out of debt. Come on. How many times does God call you to advance and to step out in faith and take more of the promised land that he has given you? But when you do that, the enemy's going to come against you. And God says, I'll give you victory, meaning he will not be able to dislodge you. He will not be able to overcome you. And you shall take what is yours because I have declared it. And if I've declared it, it is done. It's done. Victory. Victory. Prosperous. What is prosperous as opposed to fruitfulness? This is how I would describe it. Fruitful is what you already have and it starts yielding more prosperous is what you don't have and God gives you increase. Meaning he gives you a second orange tree. See what I'm talking about here? You say, well, I just had a couple of trees. Now I have an orchard. Lord, what do I do with it? Bless people. Bless as many as you can. How about a holy testimony? That's what we just talked about. God said, I'm going to lift you up among the nations so that you might be a holy testimony to me. That's what we just talked about. Now watch, in order to have a holy testimony, you have to be a credible witness. A credible witness means you tell the truth and your life indicates it. That's why God is so interested in live for me. Don't live any way because then your testimony will be trash. Is that true? You see somebody living any way, they're out there womanizing, carousing, doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and then they want to tell you about how to have a good marriage? Anyone line up for that marriage seminar? No. How about this, preeminent? He says this, you'll be preeminent, you'll be the head and not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. You'll be a lender and not a borrower. What does that mean? It means 
that I will put you in a place above your peers, above not just us, but above this world. I'm going to put you in a place of prominence so that you are a leader for my direction. Amen? Keep going with me. Some of us are going, Pastor, how do I get that? Well, the Bible says, follow my commands. Do what I value. Value what I value is what God says. Jesus put it this way. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. If you obey it, you get blessed. Amen? Now, I want to talk briefly about some curses. Because there are curses that come upon us. And you might say, well, pastor, I don't like the word curse. Because in the New Testament, okay, fine. Use the word consequence. There are consequences for not living according to God's word. Amen? There's consequences. How many of us have learned there's consequences in this life? All throughout this life. Either good or bad. And that's what God says. But I want to I remind you of this. Watch this. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow. An undeserved curse will not land on its intended victim. Okay? Meaning, a curse cannot affect you if there's no cause or reason. This is what the Bible is saying here. Now, some of you are going, whoa, wait a minute. This is big time heavy stuff. We're in a spiritual fight, aren't we? The enemy has convinced us that everything is what we can see. But what if there's more? You know what? I didn't, I didn't bless you guys earlier. Can I bless you? I want to bless you with something. This morning, Scott Bryant was in first service. Scott Bryant had been sick since the winter freeze in, in February. He was admitted into the hospital right after that, and we've been praying for him. He was there for 60 days, give or take. And if you take um, the rehab... On top of that, it surpassed the two months. He's home. He walked in under, he sat right there. He gave God praise. And if you were part of that prayer, then you're blessed because you got to see and you got to feel and the Lord will increase your faith. If you weren't part of that prayer, then you get to hear and the Lord will increase your faith. But it's for his honor, for his glory. Can I tell you something else? Miss Diane Turner is also doing much, much better. Uh, we are blessed that we have a praying church. Amen. Amen. So that was my blessing to you. But, but this is important about a curse, not having an intended victim. How do you keep from being that intended victim? This is how it works. If you are in God's covering, nothing can touch you. And this is biblical. You go, but how do I stay covered? I thought if Jesus covered me, that was it. Okay, so if you go... Let's just talk through this logically. If you are covered by the blood of the lamb, but you go have a, an affair or go out and do things you ought not to be doing, will that not touch your marriage? Yeah, it'll still touch your marriage. You see what I'm talking about? Yes, to stay under his covering means that you are in his place of blessing and that you are in what he has prescribed as a good life for you. 
when you leave that, then you are vulnerable. Let me put it to you this way. There's a story in the Old Testament by a man about a man named Balaam. Balaam was a sorcerer or a spiritual man who could, who could affect and had effect in the spiritual world. So the king that is against Israel hires Balaam's services to come and to curse Israel. I love this because he sends him a king's reward, a king's ransom to come do this job for him. Balaam asks God, can I go? And God says, no. So the king doubles the reward. Balaam asks God again, how many of us are like Balaam? Lord, has anything changed? Because the money sure has. So God is, is not, not happy. Balaam goes and this is where the donkey speaks to him. Because the donkey can see the angel of the Lord drawn sword ready to take his head off. Come on, that's awesome. What if they made a movie of the Old Testament? You know, heads flying and angels. I mean, that's just like, oh, yeah. I can see some of the husbands looking at their wives going, that's why I love this church. Yeah. <laughs> Look, uh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get to you is this. God says, I didn't give you permission to go, but I'm going to let you go because I want to prove to my people something very, very valuable. And so this is very valuable for us. So what he says, you will not speak a word I don't give you. So he goes on the high, high place because this is what the enemy thinks. High, right? I got to get higher in the physical over God's people. So he's cursing them. But when he goes to open his mouth, only blessing comes out. So what he intended to be a curse, it ended up being a blessing. So he goes... Bless their socks off. And the king goes, what? I hired you to. And then he tries another high place. Bless their socks off. Another one. Bless their socks off. The king's like, shut up. And this is what he says to him. That's so profound. I cannot and no one can curse what God has blessed. Say that to your neighbor. No one can curse what God has blessed. No one can curse what God has blessed. If God has called me blessed, then I am blessed. And there's not a thing the enemy can do about it. You say, is that the way it ends? No. Balaam, watch this, says, I've been thinking. You want to curse these people? Get them to commit sexual sin and idolatry. And they will willingly leave God's blessing, his protection." And when he's, when they're outside of God's protection, the enemy has full reign to him. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what the king did. He sent, he sent his beautiful women to entice the guys to start committing all kinds of ritual sexual acts to their, to their despicable deities. And God, God's wrath came upon them. Or more, more than that, the Lord allowed the enemy. So we're talking about curses are consequences, guys. Read with me what he says will happen if they don't obey him. He says, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord. This is in that same chapter of Deuteronomy. To observe carefully all of his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. Right? That all of these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall, shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the country. Can I, can I translate that for you? Cursed shall you be in the blue states and cursed shall you be in the red states. 
I don't care about your politics. You're going to be cursed if you don't obey me. Somebody, I don't know if I can get an amen. Some people, I, I vote Republican. I don't care how you vote. Vote like Jesus was standing there. I already got in trouble for that earlier this year. Some people, I don't know if I can go back to that church because he gets, I didn't get political. I said, I don't see how you can vote for someone that is adamantly pro-abortion. That's what the Bible says. I didn't tell you how to vote. I just said, I don't see how you can do that and call yourself a Christian. Oh, there he goes again. Some people are getting uncomfortable. I'm, I can't help it. I'm tired of wishy-washy, just back and forth and just. Deuteronomy 30 says this, the purpose of the consequences are to draw his people back. See, God doesn't take any pleasure in hurting us or seeing bad things come to us. What he's trying to do is get our attention. And he says, if my blessings don't get your attention, then what? Being outside of my protection might. This happens in the church. What does the Bible say? When a church member is doing wrong and he won't repent, he won't get right, throw him outside the church, let him, this is what the Bible says. Let Satan have a try at him. And maybe he'll come back and repent or she'll come back and repent. This is exactly what Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Isn't that true? Man, I remember my dad used to say, this is for your own good. No, it didn't feel like it was good at all. Did it? But it's painful. Later, however, it produces harvest. Later it'll produce harvest. So this is what he says. He says, you shall betroth a wife, but another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You will plant a vineyard, but you will not gather its grapes. Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Your donkey shall be violently taken from before you, and you shall, uh, and you shall not be restored to it, or to you, not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies and you shall have no one to rescue them. Now read this one very closely with me. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people and your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long. And there shall be no strength in your hand. Now you might look at this and say, Pastor, this is definitely talking about captivity. When the, when the Assyrians came and captured Israel, when the Babylonians came and captured Judah, after the kingdom had been divided and God judged both kingdoms separately, but he judged them, right? And this definitely was fulfilled. But how can it spiritually pertain to us? Let me, how about if we read it this way? You shall have a wife that you were once in love with, but because you left God out of it, you will experience divorce. And now, Another man sleeps with your wife and another woman sleeps with your husband. Or how about because of infidelity, the home is broken up and because of divorce, 
that which you built, you have to sell. So that another family lives in that house. And that which you planted, listen, how many people have told me divorce is one of the worst things they ever had to endure? They wouldn't wish it on their worst enemy. Let me tell you another thing they said. It was a financial bomb that went off. Vineyards, you didn't get to eat. You planted, you did all this work, but now what? Creditors are getting the money. Lawyers are getting the money. Everybody else seems to get what you worked so hard for and it's all going. Why? Because God did not intend that. Now he can make it right. He can restore to you what the locusts have eaten. And some of us are here saying, you know what? Glory be to God. That's behind me. And now there's a blessing in store. But if you leave God's protection, guess what? You can go through another one and another one and another one. Look at my poor girl, J-Lo. I mean, it just, it just, it'll just keep happening. If you don't do it God's way, amen? Can I get an amen? Some of you are going, man, you didn't have to go there. Y'all are getting too serious on me. No, I'm serious. This, this is, but, but, but watch this. So then divorce happens. This is what he's describing. Divorce, a breaking up of the family. And where did the children come in? Watch what he says. Your sons and your daughters will be given to other people. Your sons and your daughters will have their attention stolen by their peers, by this society, by Facebook, by all of these things. And there's nothing you'll be able to do when that happens to get them back. And you will be powerless to turn their attention back to you. You know what? God spoke to me this past year when we were um, taking, taking a time together with my family. Why do I go and spend so much time with my family? Somebody said, Pastor, you're always going on vacation. You realize in 20 years I've never been given a sabbatical? Why? Because I've learned to take the time when I need it. So that you won't have to come to me and say, dude, you need to take some time off. So I take the time and I gather my family up and we just enjoy each other. Why? Because this is hard work. This is hard work. When the enemy knows I'm going to preach a message like this, he is beating on me. And so this is what happens. We're there in this pool at at Pagosa Springs. There's some hot tubs and we go and we hang out in these hot tubs and we just talk. And we don't go see movies. We don't do that. We talk and we join together as a family and we just love on each other. And so there's these guys from Oklahoma and they come in. Why? Because they kept telling everybody they were from Oklahoma. I don't know. Um, I don't know why you would brag about being from Oklahoma when you could be from Texas, right? But <laughs> Texas, anyway, um, they, they're, they're big guys and they're all, were ex-wrestlers and two of them were doing UFC. And the one that comes in, he's... He's kind of the leader of the group. He's about 6'3", big dude, just muscular and, and just ripped tattoos over him. Um, comes in, he's going to pool to pool. He's dropping F-bombs and he's doing all kinds of craziness. But then he come in and they're, they're drinking straight up, not mixed, just straight. And they come into our pool and we're like, oh, here we go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Brother Stan, you have little faith. He said, oh boy, like I'm about to get whooped. <laughs> no, I'll I tell you what, what I, I, just, I just stood there. I said, I know who God created me to be. 
It's not about that anymore. At one point, that was what it was about for me. But now it's about just being who God has called me to be. And that's, that's a man of God. So he got there and he starts talking and immediately his whole demeanor starts changing. Where he was acting another way in another pool, in this pool. Then he leans over and we're talking and he's kind of getting close to me. He's talking to me. He goes, man, dude, what, what is it with you? I've been trying to figure it out. And, and look, man, he goes, I've been trying to drop an F-bomb since I walked in here. <laughs> and I can't seem to drop it. And I just looked at him. I said, just a humble man of God. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, man, that's good. You don't need that language to, to express yourself. And so we got to talking some more. And this is what he said. This is how it basically ended. He goes, man, you don't know how blessed you are. And I said, you don't know that I know how blessed I am. He says, I'm watching you. There's something different about you. Look at your kids, man. Your kids are gorgeous. But, but he didn't mean they're gorgeous because they're, God made them pretty. He said, it's gorgeous to see a family that loves each other. He says, my kids would have nothing to do with me. I want to have a relationship with my daughter. I said, yeah, instead you're hanging out, dropping F-bombs with a bunch of dudes. You want to hear something really funny? We're taking a shower and I get out and he's waiting on me. I'm like, whoa, dude. He's like, no, man, get dressed. I'm going to be over here. And then I went over there in the locker room. He's like, man, I just want to let you know. I just want to let you know. Can I tell you? That's this verse. When you live under a curse, it's one way. When you live under God's protection, it's a totally different way. Amen. So this is what Deuteronomy talks about in Deuteronomy 28. Sickness, infertility, destruction, scarcity and poverty, defeat, ridicule, fear, despair, emotional Desperate instability. How many people are struggling with emotional problems right now? And God says, I came to give you peace. It could be that there's some consequences for not living the way God has called us to live. Indebtedness, broken families, overwhelmed affliction. You say, pastor, I have some of those. Then you might ask yourself the hard question. Am I experiencing consequences for not living under God's blessing? Because I would say you don't have to. You could live completely under God's blessing. Because that's what God desires for you. You know, just go through this with me for a second. Infertility, that's the opposite of fruitfulness. Destruction. That means things always just seem to break down around you. You know, some of these could be generational too. You can look back over your family and say, man, our family never gets ahead. We're just always poor. We're always underneath. We're always... Is that the way God intended it? No. You might say, well, Pastor, are there some attitudes that could... Yes! Sometimes families have the same rebellious attitude. Well, my dad, he could never, never submit to authority and I can't submit to authority. And you wonder? Or, I mean, I I could go on and on. I I don't have the, the time. We will get more into this as we go along. 
But I'm going to drop down to the, the slide that says Deuteronomy 27. Because we're going to back up. And, and he tells you exactly what he values in 27. 28, he tells you what he blesses, how he blesses, and how he curses. Right? Or the consequences. But in 27, he tells you what he values. He says, I don't put up with idolatry. I don't put up with idolatry. That means you need to know that I am your God and you will put nothing above my value in your life. I don't put up with it. I know some of you are going, Pastor, man, that's not very New Testament-like. I like the New Testament grace where, you know, it's just nice and easy. I accept Jesus, I say the prayer, and I can do whatever the heck I want. That's not the Bible. The New Testament is more, it it, it requires more. Why? Because you got to give it all to him. Jesus said, you got to die to yourself. Let me live through you. Let me live through you. That's what he says. And so he says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. You want to know what it says in the New Testament? Seek ye first the kingdom of God first, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added to you as well. So this is the same principle. Put God above everything else because he is a jealous God. He is a jealous God. Now watch this. Honor father and mother. This is extremely important. But my parents weren't very good. Didn't ask. God never asks and he realizes some parents are really bad. But if you're going to break the curse, you've got to do it through honor. 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 You say, what does that mean? Let the Holy Spirit guide you. If they're still alive, it more than likely will mean go and visit and eyeball to eyeball, show honor and don't let your dad leave this earth without him putting his hand on you and blessing you if that's at all possible. Number three, evil against your neighbor. God does not put up with evil against our neighbor. Do you realize that the proverb tells us that if we do evil to our neighbor, evil will not depart from our house. That means there'll be a curse unless you come against it in the name of Jesus, confess it and break its hold. That's what the Bible says. Injustice to the weak and the helpless. I can't think of anything more helpless than an innocent child in the womb. Now, this is important, guys, because if you're here today and if you've been involved in abortion in any way, shape, or form, I do believe you need to have that broken if you've never had that once and for all before you and God say, Lord Jesus, by your holy, forgiving power, wash me white as snow. I confess that was wrong. And I leave it at the cross. God set me free. You can be free. You can be free. But that is something that's holding our nation back. There's one more that I forgot to put on here. I told first service that for some reason my my program just erased it. And that is immorality and sexual sin. He goes into all the sexual sins he does not like. 
And I believe that this will put you under a curse. You say, but pastor, I'm saved. Here's the word picture again. You're saved. You live according to God's way. That means completely submitted to him. You're good. You're saved, but you go out here. You can wreck your health. You can wreck your life. You can wreck your marriage. You can wreck your children. Am I, am, are you hearing me? And when you go out here, the enemy, watch this, you leave an open door, he comes in. And that's what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, don't even give him a what? Foothold. Don't even let him get his toe in the front door. If he gets his toe in the front door, he's stronger than you. He can get his whole body in there. So you got to take this seriously because this is a curse. I don't like the word curse. Get over it. Do you like Dr. Rob? Get over it. Right, get over it. It's okay. You say, okay, pastor, then how do we finish? This is where we finish. Galatians chapter three. Now I'm going to preach a lot more on things that can come against us, open doors that we leave, generational curses, things that we can speak over one another, especially husbands and wives. Things that need to be broken in Jesus' name. But more so aware so that you don't keep, we don't keep speaking carelessly over each other. And doing things that are not right. We'll do that next week. But right here, I just want to finish this way. The Bible says this. So, so again, I ask you, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? So right off the bat, Paul is saying, God has worked a miracle in you and can do miracles by the spirit of his, of, his, of his being, by his spirit, okay? Verse six, so also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And then he goes on to say that Jesus Christ bore our curse, right? On the cross. He bore our curse on the cross. So these curses are broken in the name of Jesus. I need you to look at me. You might be dealing with an illness. No one can figure out. I'd come against it in the name of Jesus. And break whatever stronghold it might be in the name of Jesus. And if it has anything to do with spiritual, then you can break it in Jesus' name. But this is what he's saying. You, like Abraham came into sonship with God and became part of his holy nation through what? Through faith. Notice, Abraham did not become part of God just by circumcising himself. Because Jesus, and in the New Testament, the Bible says that circumcision doesn't have any power to save you. It's what the circumcision represented. Okay? 
And so if Abraham had faith in God, then we who have faith in God have that same righteousness and justification. But faith in God has to be more than what you and me and the American church has made it to be. Faith in God is just cheap talk to many people. Faith in God in the context of real scripture means that if I believe God, then I live by what he values. And when I say, Lord, I'm going to live by what you value, then the blood of Jesus is effective in your life and washes you white as snow. It means surrender. It means here's my life, God. Here's everything. And things start breaking and chains start loosening and cages start opening. And you... So if you're here today and you're saying, what's been holding me back? I want you to pray this prayer with me as I, would you give me, here's the communion. So we're going to do it in the context of communion, church. You might be here today and say, wow, pastor, I feel the Holy Spirit impress it upon my heart that there's some things in my past or there's some things in my family. I have not always lived under protection. And today in Jesus name, I want to get that straight. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to confess faith in Jesus. We're going to surrender ourselves to him. We're going to declare that the Holy Spirit has full authority over our lives. And we're going to ask the Lord to forgive us of anything that we've done or continue to do That it's not an honor to his name. And then we're going to say, Lord, even as you've forgiven us, help me forgive others. This is very, very important. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, you are leaving a wide open window for the enemy to access you. And then we're going to close the prayer up with communion. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you really feel this was for you. And you want to pray this prayer as a dedication to be loose, to be free, to experience all of God's goodness. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you, right where you are. Just stand right there real quiet. Wow. See people standing all over this room. All over this room. You're not alone. Let's pray together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I proclaim faith. And I proclaim Jesus as my Savior and King. Lord Jesus, I relinquish all to you. I put full confidence in you. Holy Spirit, come take full authority of my life. Father God, by the blood of Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. Break the chains. Break any strongholds the enemy has tried to develop. 
break anything that's been lingering from generations past. For there is nothing more powerful than you. Thank you for forgiving me. Now, Lord, help me to forgive others. Right here, right now. I confess that I am free from offense, from hurt. And I thank you for freedom. In Jesus' name, I partake. We partake together. Church, I love you. Have a great week. Join us in the fast. And this Wednesday is encounter? Pursuit.